0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Sons of Sequoia podcast, broadcasting live from Wheat Ridge, Colorado, the home of the champions. Today is Friday, July 23rd, 2021, and we will be concluding our week of discussions on artificial intelligence by examining six potential dangers of artificial intelligence. In order to do this, we will be using an article from builtin.com written by Mike Thomas. It's a listicle format, and we'll use that to hang our discussion upon or base our discussion around. How are you this morning? You're still muted.
1: I'm doing quite well here. Uh, it's a beautiful day in Colorado, nice and warm uh, in July. And I think uh, this third episode, uh, this third uh, uh, third episode dealing with AI and the dangers uh, of the risks uh, with artificial intelligence, I think is a really good way to end uh, a week of artificial intelligence. And I think we'll probably will uh, deal with this more in the future because it's such a large topic, important topic. And I think it's important to see what it is mm-hmm. on Monday. Uh, two, uh, the advantages. Uh, there's a lot of advantages. On Wednesday, we've talked about that. And today, there are dangers. And so with any type of thing that's a, that uh, has value, uh, there can be a positive side and a negative side. We have to look at both sides. So today, we're going to look at uh, the negative side because we look at, look at all sides.
0: Yes. Now, I think that the... Uh... I mean, some of the things that were positives will be negatives. So uh, automating activities, that's thats a positive. But when you automate activities, people that do jobs that used to be those automated activities lose their jobs, and that's a negative. And so it's its going to be fascinating to look at two sides of the coin where you argue the same thing is both good and bad simultaneously. And that's a lot
1: of what life is. Absolutely, David. That is, that is what life is all about because uh... – any type of uh, talent or ability or advantage also has a negative side Mm -hmm. it can be it can be everything can be misused
0: yes so shall we just jump right into the article you want to
1: yeah I'm ready
0: okay Um, let's take a look six dangers of artificial intelligence AI has been hailed as revolutionary and world changing, but it's not without its drawbacks by Mike Thomas. And shout out to Mike Thomas. This doesn't link through, so I don't know who Mike Thomas is. And this is from a builtin.com article. I don't know what builtin is. I just Googled it, and it was one of the first ones that came up. And this seemed pretty well written, so we're going with it. Sound fine? Sounds good. Okay. Uh, I'll get started uh quoting from the article last march at the south by southwest tech conference in austin texas tesla and spacex founder elon musk issued a friendly warning mark my words he said billionaire casual in a furry collared bomber jacket and days old scruff ai is far more dangerous than nukes No shrinking violet, especially when it comes to opining about technology, the outspoken Musk has repeated a version of these artificial intelligence premonitions in other settings as well. I am really quite close to the cutting edge in AI, and it scares the hell out of me," he told his South by Southwest audience. It's capable of vastly more than almost anyone knows, and the rate of improvement is exponential. Musk, though, is far from alone in his exceedingly skeptical, some might say bleakly alarmist, views. A year prior, the late physicist Stephen Hawking was similarly forthright when he told an audience in Portugal that AI's impact could be cataclysmic unless its rapid development is strictly and ethically controlled. Unless we learn how to prepare for and avoid the potential risks, he explained, AI could be the worst event in the history of our civilization. Considering the number and scope of unfathomably horrible events in the world history, that's really saying something. And in case we haven't driven home the point quite firmly enough, research fellow Stuart Armstrong from the Future of Life Institute has spoken of AI as an extinction risk were it to go rogue. Even nuclear war, he said, is on a different level destruction-wise because it would kill only a relatively small proportion of the planet. Ditto pandemics, even at their most virulent. If AI went bad and 95% of humans were killed, he said, then the remaining 5% would be extinguished soon after. Despite its uncertainty, it has certain features of very bad risks. How exactly would AI arrive at such a perilous point? Cognitive scientist and author Gary Marcus offered some details in an illuminating 2013 New Yorker essay. The smarter machines become, he wrote, the more their goals could shift. Once computers can effectively reprogram themselves and successively improve themselves, leading to a so-called technological singularity or intelligence explosion, the risks of machines outwitting humans in battles for resources and self-preservation cannot simply be dismissed. Okay, there's the big uh, introduction, and it's very bleak, uh, very much different than our Wednesday discussion where AI was going to add all sorts of services and benefits to the world. So uh, if you want to unmute yourself, what do you think of the intro?
1: It's an introduction. I think that uh, it does set the stage by by quoting uh, Stephen Hawking and Elon Musk, and I think... Uh, they are close to AI, they can see what's happening in the future. And I think on Wednesday we saw what AI was doing today, Mm -hmm. what it has done, what it is doing, the benefits, uh, but they're looking at the future, what could happen. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, there's different types of views, there's different types of intelligences. Some people are very smart at what can happen right now. Some people are very, very intelligent on say, here's what I see and here's what I understand today. Other people are very good at looking at the future. What does this mean for the future? And I think that's what we're hearing. And I think that uh, looking at what you're doing today and looking what's what could happen in the future, what might happen in the future, I think both of those are very important to know uh, how to move forward. And I think it was a very good introduction.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, And I just want to bring this up. I'm going to... Pull something up real quick. Um, Microsoft released a chat bot powered by AI. It was going to learn from the internet in two thousand and sixteen. Uh, Tay was her name. I could let's see. Should I pull up the Wikipedia? That sounds fine, don't you think? Um, so Tay was an artificial intelligence chat bot released by Microsoft via Twitter on March 23rd, 2016. It caused subsequent controversy when the bot began to post inflammatory and otherwise offensive tweets through its Twitter account, causing Microsoft to shut down the service only 16 hours after its launch. So it was artificial intelligence that was going to learn from the internet, and the internet taught it to be racist and sexist and say the world's most offensive things possible. and. So AI, it may be damaging not because it's, um, I, I mean, this is just a one example, but not because it's inherently evil, because it's a reflection of our worst selves, or it could be a reflection of our worst selves. Mm-hmm. That's uh, one very risk. Good,
1: good, good point. It's a very important risk because artificial, artificial intelligence, the AI, uh, really doesn't have a soul, uh, and humans do. And if you allow uh, artificial intelligence or technology to do what humans can do without morals or ethics, uh, then where is the limit? Uh, Because we're giving it capabilities that we can do now, uh, but we have safeguards because we are human. And if you take away the humanity, who knows where it could lead? Mm -hmm. So the trick is, how do you put humanity into the AI? Yeah, And I think they're, they're going to address that later in this, in this uh, paper.
0: I mean, I think that also like executive decision-making is constrained by our ability as humans, how we function, how we perceive time. You know, we perceive a day as 24 hours, as 60 times 24, you know, in terms of minutes. Um, AI, you know, it doesn't perceive things in the same way that we do. So if, if we do reach a point of AI intelligence... You know, you have to realize that, and I think Elon Musk used this example seatbelts, not having seatbelts in cars was killing people. Um, and Ralph Nader went to work and said, We need to make cars more safe. And in 10 years, he was able to get enough popular support where there was legislation introduced. That legislation was introduced. And after 10 years of fighting, the seatbelt was ubiquitous in cars. Now, I think Elon Musk, I think I've heard this, so I'm paraphrasing Elon Musk, he's like, the problem with AI is that if you drag your feet for 10 years to fix a problem, the fundamental threat is going to be orders of magnitude greater 10 years down the road. So you're fixing a problem that doesn't even exist anymore because the growth is exponential. That's, the, that's that's a difficult thing going forward.
1: It is. And... and uh Artificial intelligence not only has the speed, has the ability, and has the data to make decisions uh, so quickly and toward a singular or a group of objectives that are not necessarily ethical or moral, that they can just continue on. And it's going to be hard to stop them because humans are not as fast as machines. Mm-hmm. So it, it is, there are some, but... As humans begin to see this, what can we do to safeguard our existence uh, as we create this intelligence, artificial intelligence capability? Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's what we're doing now. We're thinking ahead before we get there, before it's, before it's too late.
0: Yeah, I'm not a big Star Trek guy, but in season three of Star Trek The Next Generation, the Enterprise has to fight the Borg. And they're this techno, I think they're like robots or whatever, and they assimilate everything in their path, including organic life forms. And I think that their slogan is resistance is futile. And I guess the question that I have to ask is when it comes to the progression of technology for humans on planet Earth, was the story of the Borg in season three of Star Trek, the next generation, which I don't really even know. So, I mean, don't quote me on it, but was that an allegory for what mankind was going to face over the next 50 years? And I think that a lot of Star Trek is allegorical. So so the answer might be maybe and or yes.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Um, shall we continue Good. with the
1: article? Okay, let's continue on. Is artificial intelligence a threat? As AI grows more sophisticated and ubiquitous, the voices warning against its current and future pitfalls grow louder. Whether it's the increasing automation of certain jobs, gender and racial bias issues stemming from outdated information sources, or autonomous weapons that operate without human oversight, to name just a few. Unease abounds on a number of fronts, and we're still in the very early stages. Destructive superintelligence, aka artificial general intelligence that's created by humans and escapes our control to wreak havoc is in a category of its own. It's also something that might or might not come from fruit pr- come to fruition, theories vary. So at this point it's less risk than hypothetical threat and ever looming source of ex- ex- existential dread. Very short.
0: Yes. I do wanna do the next one. So this is risk number one.
1: Okay, risk number one, the immediate risk, job automation. Job automation is generally viewed as the most immediate concern. It's no longer a matter of if, if AI will replace certain types of jobs, but to what degree? In many industries, particularly, but not exclusively those whose workers perform predictable and repetitive tasks, disruption is well underway. According to a 2019 Brookings Institute study, 36 million people work in jobs with high exposure to automation, meaning that before long, at least 70% of their tasks, ranging from retail sales and market market analysis to hospitality and warehouse labor will be done using AI An even newer Brookings report concludes that white collar jobs might actually be more at risk. And per a 2018 report from McKinsey and company, the African-American workforce, will be hardest hit. Uh, As AI robots become smarter and more dexterous, he added, the same tasks will require fewer humans. And while it's true that AI will create jobs, an an, an unspecified number of which remain undefined, many will be inaccessible to less educated, less educationally advanced members of the displaced workforce. If you're flipping burgers at McDonald's and more automation comes in, is one of these these new jobs going to be a good match for you? Ford said, or is it likely that the new job requires lots of education or training or maybe even intrinsic talents, really strong interpersonal skills and creativity that you might not have? Because those are the things that at least so far, computers are not very good at. John C. Havens, author of Heartfelt Intelligence, Embracing humanity and maximizing machines, calls Bull on the theory that AI will create as many or more jobs than it replaces. About four years ago, Havens, right? Uh, Haven said, he interviewed the head of law firm of a law firm about machine learning. The man wanted to hire more people, but he was also obliged to achieve a certain level of returns for stakeholders. A two hundred thousand dollars piece of software he discovered, To take the place of 10 people drawing salaries of $100,000 each, that meant meant it'd save $800,000. The software would also increase productivity by 70% and eradicate roughly 90% of errors. From a purely shareholder-centric, single-bottom-line perspective, Haven said, there is no legal reason that we shouldn't fire all the humans. Wouldn't he feel bad about it? Of course, but that's beside the point. Even professions that require graduate degrees and additional post-college training aren't immune to AI displacement. In fact, technology strategist Chris Messina said some of them may well be decimated. AI already is having significant impact on medicine, law, and accounting. Are next, Messina said. The former being poised for a massive shakeup. Think about the complexity of contracts and really diving in and understanding what it takes to create a perfect deal structure, he said. It's a lot of attorneys reading through a lot of information, hundreds or thousands of pages of data and documents. It's really easy to miss things. So AI that has the ability to comb through and comprehensively deliver The best possible contract for the outcome you're trying to achieve is probably going to replace a lot of corporate attorneys. Accountants should also be prepared, uh, accountants should also prepare for a big shift, Messina warned. Once AI is able to quickly comb through reams of data to make automated decisions based on computational interpretations, human auditors may well be unnecessary. Yeah, I, so you start giving examples. Yeah, the examples are
0: good. The, the examples are well taken because uh, I always go back to – there's this movie channel on YouTube that I like called Red Letter Media, and they review movies. And they were reviewing an M. Night Shyamalan movie, and they said this is the second movie in a row where the bad guys were mentally ill. And the funny thing is, you know, if the bad guys are a certain racial or ethnic background, if the bad guys have a certain sexual orientation, if the bad guys are this group or that group, you'll have people picketing the movie theater. But when people are mentally ill, no one pickets the movie theater because there's no consortium of people that are mentally ill that can sort of have the wherewithal to form a group and picket. And those responsible for the care of the mentally ill are too exhausted from caring for the mentally ill to advocate for them in broader culture. Now I think that this example that always sticks with me is true because you're going to see a lot of wrath against AI automation when it affects people that paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to get secondary graduate degrees, uh, doctorates, and now all of a sudden many of the jobs that they were hoping would be there for them and would sort of repay that investment are not available to them. Um, Hell hath no fury than a person that feels like they're entitled to something not getting what they want. That's I think a true uh, saying. And if someone flipping burgers at McDonald's gets their job automated, they're not going to fight back as hard, I don't think, as a team of lawyers. Um, you know, tens of thousands of lawyers versus tens of thousands of laborers. I just think that who's going to raise a larger stink? Probably the lawyers. That's my guess. And uh, you're still muted if you want to chime in.
1: Because they have the wherewithal to respond.
0: Yes, they they know how to use the system to respond. And Mm -hmm. um, so I think that once it starts replacing white-collar jobs, people will be outraged, more outraged, than when it was replacing um, low-level jobs, you know, data entry clerks or you know people that are on the front lines of labor. And I guess the thing is, do you think that your jobs have more humanity than those jobs that were already lost? Do you think that they're more important to society just because you earned a larger paycheck? Of course not. And I think we saw that in the pandemic. Um, who is the most important per- person? If you're not a healthcare worker, the most important people to me, I, I never got sick, were probably not the healthcare workers. They were the people that were working at the grocery store. You know, if they didn't come to work every day and do their job, I wouldn't have been able to get food during the pandemic. And so they were of vital importance to my ability to survive this once in a century um, pandemic. And people don't think of uh, grocery store workers as heroes. But what we found out was they're far more necessary than a lot of other professions in society. Uh, Or, or, you know, people in the um, agricultural business or people in the food uh, transportation supply chain or people that stock the shelves at the grocery. I I relied on all those people more than just about any other profession last year. And it's fascinating that it takes a pandemic to see something like that. But, you know, if their jobs get automated away, they won't raise as big a stink as I mean, and they already are. I always go to the U Scan. I don't have someone check out my groceries, and that's sort of using a computer to replace a human. Um, I I don't know where I'm going with this, but do you see what I'm saying? How they're essential, but I feel like a professional that values their input into society and that gets compensated more greatly for their for their work will fight against being automated away more. Than someone that's just a laborer.
1: Well, another perspective about the grocery workers and the supply chain of your food, uh, and also your water and your, and the cleanliness of your, of your, uh, your your society and your community. Uh, another aspect of that is that when there was a pandemic and and the workers realized that they're going to have to get that food there because people need to eat, they had a whole different view of their job. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would they would work harder. They would do what needed to be done beyond their job design, whereas a machine does not have that that perspective. And you'll say, oh, yeah, well, a machine could be programmed to do something 24-7. That's true. But what if that machine had to change because of some ethical or moral issue of humanity? They don't have that decision unless it's programmed in are they program programming it in not if their goal is monetary yeah (laughs) and so to me that raises another raises another issue of uh, you know the automation uh will uh make things more efficient but only on a small portion of what you're trying to do that job is not done in a global sense as far as a human would do the job as far as white-collar workers Uh, Again, the white-collar workers bring uh, not just the tasks uh, to the job, but they bring a perspective to the job and they bring humanity to the job that automation will not do. And so what what could happen with the white-collar jobs is that before automation can take over, like we're saying, uh, you have to take those jobs and automate them. Uh, and so what's happening is that you take these, these, these white, I'll just say white color jobs and become more and more automated, commoditized, and then they can be replaced with automation. And so there's going to be a process of people moving toward that. Uh, and as they move toward that, the reason they move toward that is because their goals become less and less and more focused on uh, uh, monetary goals and not, not broader goals of the environment or, or, or people or the community uh, or, or uh, the uh, legal or sociopolitical type goals.
0: Yeah, but I look at the majority of lawyers or white collar accountants for huge corporations and I don't see a whole lot of concern for the environment or the community. I see a system that already favors profit over everything else. And I think that the real thing is when you start automating white collar jobs, people will realize that these things that they felt made them elite, that sort of put them on a pedestal above someone that's doing something that requires less skill is trivial for a computer to do, something like accounting. Or or like they said, if you use natural language processing and you use it to sift through contracts, computers will be an order of magnitude more efficient than corporate attorneys. Well, it's difficult to go through life sort of thinking that you're superior to everyone and realizing that you're inferior to a machine. And we watched AlphaGo at the beginning of this week to kick off our discussion of AI. And it was very fascinating to see these people that were expert Go players. And Go is sort of considered an art form in Asia, in China, and Korea. Uh, and your ability to play Go is sort of like being a composer of music or a visual artist or a brilliant poet your ability to play a game of go says something about your humanity and to see these players that were the best in the world bested by an artificial intelligence they really felt like what they knew about themselves was called into question and i see i feel like there is a reckoning about that and i, I guess my point for this first automation point, because this is the first thing that will happen with AI, is uh, jobs will be automated away, is I think that you're more likely to sort of realize that lawyers and accountants and radiologists and, um, you know, people that need to make quick diagnostics via telemedicine um, that have a lot of education... Computers can do their jobs better than them and you feel empathy for those people. But why should you feel any more empathy for them than for Amazon warehouse workers who are getting their jobs automated away? Wasn't there dignity in the work that they were doing? And wasn't there dignity in the work that an accountant does? And aren't the dignity of work equal for regardless of what position you have in life, whether it's blue collar or white collar? And isn't the fact that a computer can do your job more efficiently than you can a blow to the humanity of anyone, regardless of what strata of the economic spectrum your job exists on?
1: To me, the answer is yes. I mean, it's all the same, but it's gonna happen. And so, how do you deal with it? It's kind of like on Monday on the on the AlphaGo. They says I began to question my identity, uh, I question myself. And uh, but it happened. And so they had to deal with it. And uh, and like Kasparov was saying with the with the chess is that uh, in the future we have to learn how to work with machines, and not let machines. We have to learn how to work with them. And I think the key word is with. Uh, And it's not just let one uh, dominate the other. It's work with machines so that machines and humans can work together side by side. Uh, That's kind of... Pie in the sky? Pie in the sky, easy to say, what does that mean? I don't know. Uh, But the bigger concept is, well, yeah, that's true. But what does that mean? Uh, We really don't know. Mm -hmm. But uh, keep, keep it in mind as we move forward. As we see what's going to be happening here, and uh, so sometimes to solve these things, I guess I guess one way to look at it is to solve these things in the future. Is don't look back and say I want it to be the way it was, because it's not going to be that way. Mm-hmm. Is looking at the future and says how do I want it to be in the future, and don't let uh, don't let the future uh, dictate itself. Be more proactive in the future. Uh, to bring humanity to things in the future, yeah, and don't let things be undermined. Definitely. So the challenges, the challenges for automation, the challenges for AI, is not like oh, uh, the the dangers and risks. the changes is, how do we deal with it in the future? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I mean, how do we deal with it so now? now? I think that what these futurists are saying, what Stephen Hawking, what Elon Musk is saying, is. We're about to blow past the last exit, and it's gonna to be too late by the time we start thinking about how do we deal with these things. The question is not how do we deal with these things, it's like, what are we going to do today? What are we going to do you know, in the next week? And we have to start doing it. If we say, okay, well, let's get a task force together and have a six month blue ribbon panel, it might be too late by then. And it's just fascinating to say, well, this is a wake up call, we need to think. Well, this article was written in 2019. And I'm sure that the state of play is not too different than it was in 2019, and that's two years, and that's infinity in computer years. Um, every year is. I infinity. think the
1: issue from 20, 2019 to 2021. We're in 2021 right now. I think the issues are the same, but I think the problem is much more complicated. Mm-hmm. It's much more advanced today than it was three years ago, and so or two years ago, and so it's 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 the same problem. But the problem has become a lot more complicated, and every month, every year, every month, even every, like you say, every week, it's going to get even even more complicated. I think people have to start looking at this stuff today, with a view of the future, to say, "Hey, we got to be careful." Mm-hmm. And th- these articles, this was, even though it was written in 2019, it was it was uh, revised. It was revised for, for this this year, but uh, we have to keep keep these things on the front burner, start thinking about how to do this in the future. Well, automation was one, uh, privacy, security, and risk of deep fakes. Uh, is the next one. Okay. While
0: job loss is currently the most pressing issue related to AI disruption, it's merely one among many potential risks. In a February 2018 paper titled The Malicious Use of Artificial Intelligence, Forecasting, Prevention, and Mitigation, 26 researchers from 14 institutions, academic, civil, and industry, enumerated a host of other dangers that could cause serious harm, or, at minimum, so minor chaos, in less than five years. Malicious use of AI, they wrote in their 100-page report, could threaten digital security, e.g., through criminals training machines to hack or socially engineer victims at human or superhuman levels of performance physical security e.g. non-state actors weaponizing consumer drones and political security e.g. through privacy eliminating surveillance profiling repression or through automated and targeted disinformation campaigns. In addition to its more existential threat, Ford is accused is focused on the way AI will adversely affect privacy and security. A prime example he said is China's Orwellian use of facial recognition technology in offices, schools, and other venues. But that's just one country, a whole ecosphere of companies specialize in similar tech and sell it around the world. What well, we can so far only guess at is whether that tech will ever become normalized as with the internet where we blithely sacrifice our digital data at the altar of convenience will round the clock ai analyze monitoring someday seem like a fair trade-off for increased safety and security despite its nefarious exploitation by bad actors authoritarian regimes use or are going to use it ford said the question is how much does it invade western democracies uh and what constraints do we put on it AI will also give rise to hyper-real-seeming social media personalities that are very difficult to differentiate from real ones. Ford said, deployed cheaply and at scale on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, they could conceivably influence an election. The same goes for so called audio and video deepfakes created by manipulating voices and likenesses. The latter is already making waves, but the former, Ford thinks, will prove immensely troublesome. Using machine learning, a subset of AI that's involved in natural language processing, an audio clip of any given politician could be manipulated to make it seem as if that person spouted racist or sexist views, when in fact, they uttered nothing of the sort. If the clip is high quality enough so as to fool the general public and avoid detection, Ford added that it can completely derail a political campaign. And all it takes is one success. From that point on, he noted, no one knows what's real and what's not. So it really leads to a situation where you could literally not believe your own eyes and ears. You can't rely on what historically we've considered to be the best possible evidence, and that's going to be a huge issue. Lawmakers, though frequently less than tech savvy, are acutely aware and pressing for solutions.
1: Okay. Very interesting, very Mm -hmm. interesting.
0: Yeah, I I mean... Really, I, I
1: I never thought of that.
0: And I think, you know, like uh, if the former president, if he wants to win, um, you know, they could sort of make a deep fake of him spouting racist and sexist views and it'll improve his performance in some uh, among his core constituency.
1: <laughs> That's true. Uh, but I, th- I think the issue, David, I think the issue, I think was, I, I never thought of this, that uh, no one knows what's real and what's not real anymore. And it's going to challenge uh, what we've always relied on, is that is what a person says, uh, and and face-to-face communications, uh, and that's being challenged. Yeah, I mean, even if someone gets up and
0: says something in a speech, and you say, "Can you believe he said that?" But no, I don't believe he said that. If you don't want to believe, you don't have to now, because because of this. What is ontology? Okay, ontology is the branch of metaphysics dealing with the nature of being, a set of concepts and categories in a subject area or domain that shows the properties and relationships between them. I believe that an ontological view of truth is under attack by virtue of, you know, can you believe that he, uh, the former president is still saying that he won? And you say, I believe he won. It's like, but none of the evidence points to any of his assertions being true. And it's like, well, how can you know that? What is the nature of truth? I'm going to attack the ontology of truth to defend my viewpoint. And how do you argue against someone that that is fundamentally attacking the ontology of reality? And the thing is, AI deepfakes, um, whether it's vocal or video, that'll continue to facilitate that. You could find a opposing piece of video or audio that supports your viewpoint, and there's bad actors out there that are willing to make them, because they know that people out there are so hungry for, for that.
1: Or you can create your own, mm-hmm. and so it does challenge what is what is real. It does challenge what is truth. And uh, so, am I am I cutting out what I'm talking? Not really. No why? Okay, because you cut out to me. Maybe it's just my feed. Yeah. Hopefully. Because what you're what you're saying, David. What you just said was extremely well taken. I hope I hope everyone heard that, because that that is that is so true. That we see that today. That uh, people uh, facts are being challenged. Truth is being challenged, and so what is truth? What is facts? Uh, You can believe whatever you want to believe today Mm -hmm. and it doesn't and so people say no, it's that's not true It is true and there could be more than alternative truths uh, Multiple alternative alternative truths today every person can have their own truth Mm -hmm. And so there is no there is no challenge and those truths can be just opposite of one another and 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 uh, one contradicts another and that's perfectly acceptable today because they're wrong and I'm right. Uh, and the, the facts are being challenged because of this. And when the facts are challenged, then how do you substantiate what is true? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I, we've never said this, but I think there's a Yogi Berra, uh, Will Rogers, a Simpsons or a Seinfeld quote for everything. And I think <laughs> we got to go with Seinfeld here. The George Costanza quote, it's not a lie if you believe it and that's there's there's a fundamental truth to that if you believe it yeah. even if it is a lie it's not a lie to you so no. so you no. can you can believe whatever and, you want
1: and and today a lot of what they call truth uh either logical or rhetorical truth is not truth it's beliefs mhm and you can believe anything i mean the thing is it's and true that you believe it But truth is being replaced with beliefs. But it's not. If I believe it, it's truth.
0: It's not whether or not your belief is true. It's whether or not it's true that you believe it. That's
1: right.
0: (laughs) So it's like, it's true that I believe this. Therefore, it's true. It's like, no, that's not how it works. It's like, are you saying that it's false that I believe this? Are you telling me what I believe and don't believe? Um, so, So like these repressive voter laws, they're being passed because millions of Americans believe that there was voter fraud. And you could say, well, there wasn't voter fraud. And it's like, well, we need to address the fact that millions of uh, voters believe it. It's like well, it doesn't matter if they believe it. It's it's not true. And it's like it's true that they believe it. So we need to do something about it. And it's
1: fascinating. Yeah, that's why to me, I don't know. If, to me, truth is being replaced with belief. Yeah, and then the good thing about truth being replaced by
0: belief is that you're never wrong.
1: That's right 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 and actually that that goes into philosophy that goes into religion it goes into uh, it's, it's always been there but uh, the AI and technology has just accelerated that broadened it broadened it uh, and also it becomes uh, a dangerous issue
0: mm-hmm well we're going a little long because we're on number three and we're already 40 minutes in so shall we continue
1: yeah, well, we could stop and do this again later.
0: That's true. But I think. Continue later, but shall we do the next one? I think we can get all six in. This is skip. number three.
1: Okay, you ready? Uh huh. Okay, I'll, I'll try to read fast. I can't read as fast as you. <laughs> you, you, you do a good job, David. Uh, AI bias and widening socioeconomic inequality. Widening e- economic inequality sparked by AI driven jobless, jobless is another cause for concern. Along with education, work has long been a driver of social mobility. However, when it's a certain kind of work, the predictable, repetitive kind that's prone to AI takeover, research has shown that those who fix themselves, who find themselves out in the cold are much less apt to get or seek retrained compared to those in higher level positions who have more money. Then again, not everyone believes that. Various forms of AI bias are detrimental too. Speaking recently to the New York Times, Princeton computer science uh, professor Olga Rusikovsky said it goes well beyond gender and race. In addition to data and algorithmic bias, the latter of which can amplify the former, AI is developed by humans and humans are inherently biased. AI researchers are primarily people who are male, who come from certain racial uh, demographics, who grew up in high socioeconomic areas, primarily people without disabilities, uh, Rosikovsky said. We're a fairly homogeneous population, uh, so it's a challenge to think broadly about world issues. In the same article, Google researcher Timnit Gebru said the root of bias is social rather than technological and called scientists like herself some of the most dangerous people in the world because we all have illusion of objectivity. The scientific field, she noted, has to be situated in trying to understand the social dynamics of the world, because most of the radical change happens at the social level. And technologists aren't alone in sounding the alarm about AI's potential socioeconomic socioeconomic pitfalls. Along with journalists and political figures, Pope Francis is also speaking up. And he's not just whistling sanctus, At a late September Vatican meeting titled The Common Good in the Digital Age, Francis warned that AI has the ability to circulate tenditious opinions and false data that could poison public debates and even manipulate the opinions of millions of people to the point of endangering the very institutions that guarantee peaceful civil coexistence. If mankind's so-called technological progress were to become an enemy of the common good, he added, this would lead to an unfortunate regression to a form of barbarism dictated by the law of the strongest. A big part of the problem, Messina said, is the private sector's pursuit of profit above all else, because that's what they're supposed to do, he said. And so they're not thinking of what's the best thing here, what's going to have the best possible outcome. The mentality is, if we can do it, we should try it. Let's see what happens, he's added. And if we can make money off it, we'll do a whole bunch of it. But that's not unique to technology. That's even happening forever. That's been happening forever. And that's very, very good points, David. Mm-hmm.
0: I had to run into the restroom, but I read this earlier. So I do think that there is an issue of Bayesian-based systems sort of favoring statistical outcomes that are based on inequality. So do you see what I'm saying? It'll perpetuate inequality because Bayesian-based systems run purely on statistics. So the statistics, the, state, the current state of play is one of inequality. So the Bayesian analysis of things will lean into that because its statistics will bear that
1: out. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes, absolutely. Uh, And uh, I I think the last point he's making here is that, uh, you know, they say, well, if we can do it, let's do it. Let's try it and see what happens. And if we can make money with it, let's just go for it and make the money because money's power. Mm -hmm. And uh, if if you give power, you got power. What about the fallout? I says, well, that's that's too bad. We'll deal with that if we have to. We'll deal with that if we have to in the future, mm-hmm. because we'll be powerful because we have all the money. Uh, but then maybe we won't. Maybe we will. Uh, and so there again, uh, the uh, dictated by the law, the strongest, and that and that's what uh, uh, Pope Francis was was saying, and he's probably right. Yeah, he's right. It, it is ominous, and uh, so the acceleration of technology, uh, the ability of AI to take over human, uh, human traits and human capabilities has brought new challenges to the human race. And I think it's time to start addressing them straight on instead of letting things get out of hand.
0: Now I go back to alpha go, the movie we all we watched and we did an episode on, on Monday move 37. Uh Now, regardless of how much machine learning or deep learning you do, no no matter how your uh, artificial intelligence algorithms go, with a sophisticated enough AI, they may see a prescription for action that wouldn't be seen by one in 10,000 human analyses. Now my question is, when that prescription for action gets suggested by the AI, if humans are in control, well they say, well we can't do that, that's way too out of left field. Well, they say something screwy here. We need to override this when that might be the one decision that saves us. <laughs> that might be the one instance where AI has a decision that we never would have thought of that's the right thing to do, but we overrule it because it sort of defies all conventional wisdom. I, but, I, the
1: goal, but the goal of AlphaGo is to win. Mm-hmm. And the goal of humans is not just a single goal. Yeah. It is a whole spectrum of goals because because of humanity.
0: Now, what they're saying, though, is that a lot of corporate algorithms are designed to maximize profit. But if you look at how Google uses DeepMind, and this is, of course, my understanding from a couple of years ago. So they may be using DeepMind differently. But one of the main uses when Google acquired DeepMind for whatever, a quarter of a billion dollars, whatever they paid for them, half a billion dollars. One of the things they did was they went to their data centers and they used DeepMind to analyze how their data centers were physically configured. And they used DeepMind to say, how can we configure our data centers to lower our energy uses in each data center? And I think they ran the program and within a day, DeepMind came back with the server configuration that saved more energy than a team of hundreds of Google engineers could come up with over the course of months. Because it said, oh, just do it this way, this way, this way, this way. Your energy use, you know, your thermal output, like the amount of you know money that you'll be paying to run this data center will be less over time. And it's simple things like that, but it's like you're providing the same level of service while using less energy. Of course, the costs to Google are less because they're paying less for energy. But it also seems to benefit mankind because you're providing the same service while using less energy. So I do see positive. I mean, I know we're supposed to be talking about the doom and gloom, but there could be positive <laughs> effects of AI, especially if you use it on the cost side.
1: So if- that's true. And I see two I see two things going on here, David. One is they can do, uh, AI can do the human decisions and human processes faster. Uh, and they can do it with a lot of information Okay, uh they can do it much faster uh and and the second thing is they can do things and humans a lot of times will only look at what what has worked and they almost stay within that area of what has worked and they won't go outside with something that might work but they're comfortable with what has worked Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and they won't go outside that in other words when you have some some moves that have worked like an alpha go then they'll collapse down and be introspective and just stick with that conservative, those conservative moves and be more conservative. They won't try this move out there. Well, that that aggressive conservative, you're all driven by by winning by AlphaGo and AI. So they're not going to have that human uh, that human conservatism or that human uh, propensity toward taking risk or not taking risk. AI will take risk when it's time to take risk. They won't when it won't, when they don't take risk. They'll be conservative when it's time to be conservative. AI will. I will be aggressive when it's time to be aggressive. Humans won't be that way. They've won by being conservative. And they won't. And notice that in the in the fourth game that Lee won, uh, he tried something different. Did Am I right? Do you remember when he did something a little bit different? And that's, that was he, the one that he, he won. He made a
0: one in 10,000 move. Yeah. That. And
1: then the, the machine couldn't respond to that. Mm-hmm. So he did something out of the ordinary.
0: Yes. So he did a move that was like AlphaGo's one in 10,000 move. And they said, you know, one in 10,000 humans wouldn't see this. Well, AlphaGo did something similar in game two. Lee Sedol did something in game four that was a one in 10,000 move and it screwed up the computer. Now, the sad thing is if you read the Wikipedia, they went back and they patched it right away. They realized the logic flaw because it wasn't expecting that it used too many of its resources to look in too many places and narrowed the search field and it was able to overcome brilliant moves like that in subsequent matches. But in that match, uh, the brilliant move that Lee Sedol made, made the search field be too great for AlphaGo so it couldn't do all the computations necessary to choose the correct move subsequently. That's sort of the story that I read, which is still awesome, you know, that in 2018 a human can confuse a supercomputer. Well, not a supercomputer, but a super AI. A a cutting-edge artificial intelligence. So, yes, I guess, but this section was on bias and widening widening socioeconomic inequality. And I believe, honestly, that socioeconomic inequality has been widening without AI. And so there's this belief that since the people that have risen to the top will probably control the AI – they'll only use it to more make it more pronounced, the gap between the haves and the have-nots. Now, I don't see it that way. I I genuinely hope AI may be able to say, we're taking a holistic view of this, and for the market to stand up, like, yeah, sure, you own 90% of the wealth, and you're one guy, and seven billion people own 10% of the wealth, and they're seven billion people. But if you owned 80% of the wealth, you'd have the same <laughs> amount of power, but the 20% of the wealth in the hands of the people would make you even more power. You know, like uh, the AI would be able to determine the system will collapse if you just exploit it. I, I hope that that comes, you know, like your, your path is exploitative. You need to sort of redistribute some of this wealth.
1: But the question then arises, it begs the question, what type of goals do you give AI to have the former or the latter of those objectives mm-hmm. or those, those, those solutions and who's programming it? Yes. The people who are the who, who are the 90 or in the who have 90% of the wealth and the 10% of the people, they're the ones who are programming it. And I think that's what, uh, uh, professor, what was her name? I want to give her credit. Uh, Rysikovsky, uh, that's what she was saying. That's Which true. is very well- taken. But
0: my my real issue is if the AI suggests something that you would never do, will you do it? Because you trust the AI. So I think back to AlphaGo because it's a good- You're playing against the best player in the world in the last game. Um, they kept thinking AlphaGo was making errors. And Probability Guy was like, Nope we still have a 55% chance of victory. And then we make another move, is that an error? Like, nope, now we're at 57. And the head of um, DeepMind, the CEO was like, well, maybe we just don't understand Go enough. And what they didn't understand is that a human player would fight skirmishes. And AlphaGo was using throwaway moves because winning by one point is the same as winning by 50 points. So it wasn't pushing advantages it had because it didn't need to push them at that point. Now, these programmers programmed AlphaGo, but AlphaGo understood Go better than the programmers did. So, I mean, I think that there's a situation where that could happen when AI is deployed in more real-world scenarios. And my only question is, if it's going to hurt your quarterly returns for your company to implement the advice of AI, will you ignore the advice of AI at that point? even if it might be the best thing for your company or it might be good for humanity. I, I feel like there's going to be clashes between you know, what AI asks people to do and what people end up doing
1: for that reason. Yeah. And the way I see that is what goals do you give AI if it's to win or if it's to win skirmishes?
0: Yeah. And if it's to win, is your goal to win by one point? So it's like, oh, you're... Your competitor will have 49% market share, but you'll have 51%. Or do you program it to wipe your competitor off the face of the earth so that you're a monopoly? I mean, you could try both. Well, shall we continue? Yep, let's go on. Okay. The fourth danger. We're halfway there, folks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait. No, this is the last one, and then there's just a wrap-up. Oh, good. So so autonomous weapons and a potential AI arms race. Not everyone agrees with Musk that AI is more dangerous than nukes, including Ford. But what if AI decides to launch nukes or, say, biological weapons, sans human intervention? Or what if an enemy manipulates data to return AI-guided missiles whence they came? Both are possibilities. And both would be disastrous. The more than 30,000 AI robotics researchers and others who signed an open letter on the subject in 2015 certainly think so. The key question for humanity today is whether to start a global AI arms race or to prevent it from starting, they wrote. If any major military power pushes ahead with AI weapon development, a global arms race is virtually inevitable. And the endpoint of this technological trajectory is obvious. Autonomous weapons will become the Kalashnikovs of tomorrow. Unlike nuclear weapons, they require no costly or hard-to-obtain raw materials, so they will become ubiquitous and cheap for all significant military powers to mass-produce. It will only be a matter of time until they appear on the black market and in the hands of terrorists. Dictators wishing to better control their populace. Warlords wishing to perpetrate ethnic cleansing. Autonomous weapons are ideal for for tasks such as assassinations, destabilizing nations, subduing populations, and selectively killing a particular ethnic group. We therefore believe that a military AI arms race would not be beneficial for humanity. There are many ways in which AI can make battlefields safer from humans, especially civilians, without creating new tools for killing people. The U.S. military's proposed budget for 2020 is $718 billion. Of that amount, nearly $1 billion would support AI and machine learning for things like logistics, intelligence analysis, and yes, weaponry. Earlier this year, a story in Vox detailed a frightening scenario involving the development of a sophisticated AI system with the goal of, say, estimating some number with high confidence. The AI realizes that it can achieve more confidence in its calculations if it uses all the world's computing hardware. And it realizes that releasing a biological superweapon to wipe out humanity would allow it uh, free use of all the hardware. Having exterminated humanity, it then calculates the number with higher confidence. That's jarring for sure, but rest easy. In 2012, the Obama administration's Department of Defense issued a directive regarding autonomy and weapon systems that included this line Autonomous and semi autonomous weapon systems shall be designed to allow commanders and operators to exercise appropriate levels of human judgment over the use of force. And in early November of this year, a Pentagon group called the Defense Innovation Board published ethical guidelines regarding the design and deployment of AI-enabled weapons. According to the Washington Post, however, the board's recommendations are in no way legally binding and now falls to the Pentagon to determine how and whether to proceed with them. Well, that's a relief
1: or not. That was a lot of doom and gloom, but yeah, again, it was it was well taken.
0: Uh huh. I think we may. I can hear you. Did you cut your video?
1: Nope. Still okay. there.
0: I don't see your video.
1: I see that. I see that. I, I see that. I don't see it.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I'll just uh, go with me for now. Oh, there you are. Oh, you're almost back.
1: I turned it off and turned it back on, and
0: yeah, something's weird.
1: Yeah, you've been cutting out to me. Let me turn it off and turn it back on. Yep. Hmm. I'm not being. I'm not being seen. I don't know what happened.
0: Do you have OBS on? No. You don't.
1: No. Hmm. All I have is. No, just this. Just Skype. Okay. Okay.
0: Well, all right. Uh, we'll just go with me for the rest of the hour. Sound good?
1: We'll see if I come back.
0: Yeah. it's weird when you turn it off and turn it back on? Are you sure you don't have OBS open or Streamlabs OBS? Oh, yes.
1: Nope. I'm sure I don't have any. All I have is. Uh, all I have is. Uh, you know, I I opened up. All I have is. Uh, Chrome and then Skype is all I have.
0: Okay, I'll call you right back and then we can finish the episode. <laughs> huh, that's weird.
1: Must be on my end somewhere.
0: Yeah, did your webcam get disconnected or something like that? I don't know. I feel like you have... I, I mean, from what I'm seeing, I, th- I think you might have OBS open, but...
1: Well, I don't. Okay. I have... All I have is Chrome.
0: Mm-hmm. And Skype. Okay.
1: Oh, well. That's too bad.
0: Uh-huh. Well, let's go back to the article. How do you feel about that... Uh, the autonomous weapons danger?
1: Well, I think it's very real. I think... Uh points well taken and uh, they've already addressed it you know uh, about uh, having ethical guidelines the ethical guidelines are going to be important and needs to be done mm-hmm. now i will say
0: just like the seatbelt analogy from earlier in the episode they're saying we should do something about this but they're dragging their feet and dragging your feet when your opponent is a computer i don't know seems a little sketchy because impo- your they're gonna opponent... They're going to zip past you. Yep.
1: That's right, they're going to move right past you.
0: So many of the earlier concerns we had are also valid in this arena. Correct. Well, shall we finish the article and then wrap up?
1: Yep, let's finish the article. Mitigating uh, the use of AI. Committee so, reader, do you want to read the ending?
0: I'll, I'll read the ending. Okay, go ahead. Uh, many believe the only way to prevent or at least temper the most malicious AI from wreaking havoc is some sort of regulation. I am not normally an advocate for regulation and oversight. I think one should generally err on the side of minimizing those things. But this is a case where you have a very serious danger to the public, Musk said at South by Southwest. It needs to be a public body that has insight and then oversight to confirm that everyone is developing AI safely. This is extremely important. Four Degrees with a caveat. Caveat. Regulation of AI implementation is fine, he said, but not of the research itself. You regulate the way AI is used, he said, but you don't hold back progress in basic technology. I think that would be wrong-headed and potentially dangerous, because any country that lags in AI development is at a distinct disadvantage, militarily, socially, and economically. The solution, Ford continued, is selective application. We decide where we want AI and where we don't, where it's acceptable and where it's not, and the different countries are going to make different choices, so China might have it everywhere, but that doesn't mean we can afford to fall behind them in the state of the art. Speaking about autonomous weapons at Princeton University in October, American General John R. Allen emphasized the need for a robust international conversation that can embrace what technology is. If necessary, he went on, there should be a conversation about how best to control it, be that a treaty that fully bans AI weapons or one that permits only certain applications of the technology. For Havens, safer AI starts and ends with humans. His chief focus upon which he expounds his 2016 book is this. How will machines know what we value if we don't know ourselves? In creating AI tools, he said, it's vitally important to honor end-user values with human-centric focus rather than fixating on short-term gains. Technology has been capable of helping us with tasks since humanity began, Havens wrote in Artificial Intelligence. But, as a race, we've never faced the strong possibilities that machines may become smarter than we are or imbued with consciousness. This technological pinnacle is an important distinction to recognize, both to elevate the quest to honor humanity and to best define how AI can evolve it. That's why we need to be aware of which tasks we want to train machines to do in an informed manner. This involved individual as well as societal choice. AI researchers Fei-Fei Li and John Etchemendy of Stanford University's Institute for Human-Centered Artificial Intelligence feel likewise. In a recent blog post, they proposed involving numerous people in an array of fields to make sure AI fulfills its huge potential and strengthens society instead of weakening it. Quote, our future depends on the ability of social and computer scientists to work side by side with people from multiple backgrounds, a significant shift from today's computer science-centric model, they wrote. The creators of AI must seek the insights, experiences and concerns of people across ethnicities, genders, cultures, socio-economic groups, as well as those from other fields such as economics, law, medicine, philosophy, history, sociology, communications, human-computer interaction, psychology, and science and technology studies. This collaboration should run throughout an application's life cycle, from the earliest stages of inception, through to market introduction and as its usage scales. Messina is somewhat idealistic about what should happen to help avoid AI chaos, though he's skeptical that it will actually come to pass. Government regulation, he said, isn't a given, especially in light of failures on that front in the social media sphere, whose technological complexities pale in comparison to those of AI. It will take a, quote, very strong effort on the part of major tech companies to slow progress in the name of greater sustainability and fewer intended consequences, especially massively damaging ones. At the moment, he said, I don't think the onus is there for that to happen. As Messina sees things, It's going to take some sort of catalyst to arrive at that point. More specifically, a catastrophic catalyst like war or economic collapse. Though whether such an event will prove big enough to actually affect meaningful long-term change is probably open for debate. For his part, Ford remains a long-run optimist despite being very unbullish on AI. I think we can talk about all these risks, and they're very real, but AI is also going to be the most important tool in our toolbox for solving the biggest challenges we face, including climate change. When it comes to the near term, however, his doubts are more pronounced. We really need to be smarter, he said. Over the next decade or two, I do worry about these challenges and our ability to adapt to them. There we go. That concludes our discussion. Or that concludes the article, anyway.
1: The article, yeah. That was good i think it's a very good article i think what he's what he wrote was at the ending there i i point to a very well taken and i think i've i've mentioned this more than once that uh, uh even though computers can demonstrate a consciousness such as humans uh it is um artificial uh and so that consciousness uh has limits uh that consciousness has uh uh as boundaries uh, and constraints. And I think that uh, a point well taken is that how do you uh, control this? How do you uh, uh, make decisions based on on human values and not just identified values from just different parts of of industry or society uh, or politics or military, Uh, you can have goals but how do you have human-type consciousness in those goals uh, and much broader type type decisions? And I and I think the points are well. I, I like I like the points a lot. What he's what he's saying
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, about a human-centric uh, human-centric and not just goal-centric type AI. And so how do we do that? Yeah. And so uh, we have to start thinking about how to do that in the future.
0: I like the line. How will machines know what we value if we don't know ourselves? That's right. I think that's very true. Your fan is uh, pretty loud. Did you turn it back on while I was reading? Oh,
1: yeah, sorry. Thought I turned it off. Meant to turn it off,
0: sorry. Um, I can just hear it. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that is one of the big problems. The reason why AI works so well in games is because the point is to win. The reason why you can implement it in business is because the point is to minimize cost and maximize revenue and therefore maximize profit. Um, When you're looking at broad use of AI for the benefit of humanity, I mean, the profit of an individual firm is of negligible use to a humanity. Big issues like climate change, how do you mitigate climate change? That could be of use. Now, that'll be, I think, necessarily damaging to the profit of Let's say the fossil fuel industry, you know, the construction industry, the, the beef industry. Uh, mitigating climate change will probably advocate for solutions that damage those industries. So they'll fight back against them. Mm-hmm.
1: So it's. Uh, well, like right after the statement that you like, which I like that, too. How will machines know what we value if we don't know ourselves? Mm-hmm. But then he goes on and says in cre- creating AI tools, he said. It's vitally important to honor end-user end-user values with a human-centric focus, rather than fixating on short-term gains. Mm-hmm. I think that little that paragraph right there, I, I think is extremely significant. Yes, I think that that sums up a lot of uh, the future of AI being uh, being supportive for humans or detrimental to humans.
0: I think that we can all see that, and yet the devil's in the details, right?
1: How do you do it? That's right. How do you do it? But you you will never do it if you don't if you don't address it. <laughs> yes, that's
0: true. You have to you have to say it out loud before you move in that direction.
1: You have to look look at where you're going before you get there. Yes, even though you don't know how to get there, you have to know where you're going. Yep. So it's a good article.
0: Um, yeah, I think this has been an interesting discussion. It's been an interesting week. Of material on AI, we encourage anyone to go back through our YouTube channel or our podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, and take a look at our discussion on Monday of AlphaGo, the movie, and our discussion on Wednesday of the seven potential benefits of artificial intelligence um this has been the sons of sequoia podcast we're available wherever you get your podcasts whether that be google apple stitcher amazon podcasts and we're available on youtube every monday wednesday and friday at 9 a.m that's sons of sequoia s-e-q-u-o-y-a-h um is there anything you'd like to say in closing before we end this episode
1: yes uh, Sons of sequoia podcast s-e-q-u-o-y-a-h the person not the tree i-a the, uh, the person, YAH, we always like to say, keep on talking, but listen more than you talk and try to understand what the other person is saying. Take care, everyone.
0: We'll see you in the next one.
1: Okay, bye.